on the floor. Now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove. Counted millions in the cold. Bad bitch, booted swole. Got her on bank roll. Can't fold, that's a no. Headshot, case closed. What is up, guys? It's Andy Priscilla, and this is the show for the realists say goodbye to the lies, the fakeness, and delusions of modern society. And welcome to motherfucking reality. Guys, today, we have a full-length episode, and I'm super excited to sit down with my guests. I'll introduce them in just a minute. Uh, if this is your first time listening, we have many podcasts within the podcast. Today, you're going to hear full-length, very similar to what you see on most other podcasts. Guests shooting the shit, talking about all kinds of things. What we talk about here is business, kicking ass, how to win, how to be better, how to be baller as fuck. That's what we talk about in full-length. Uh, other times, though, when you tune in, you will see CTI. CTI is Cruise the Internet. That's where DJ and I, what's up, DJ? Hey, guys. Hello, children. Yeah, that's where DJ and I go through the current events of the day. So we throw up three headlines on the screen. We talk about what's going on. We speculate about what the truth actually is. And then we talk about how we collectively as human beings can be the solution to the problems going on in the world. Other times, you're going to see Q&AF. That's where you get to submit questions and I answer them on the show. You can submit your questions one of two ways. The first way is... Guys, email those questions into askandy at andyforsolo.com. The second way is that you can go on YouTube, and believe it or not, we are uploading the full episodes on YouTube. I know most of you guys listen on audio. Uh, we've been killing it on audio for nearly a decade, uh, but we are doing the full-length episodes on YouTube now, and if you go and find the Q&AF episodes on YouTube uh, and you drop your question in the comments, we'll pick some from there as well. So that's the second way to submit your questions. Other times, you're going to hear real talk. Real talk is just five to 20 minutes of me giving you guys some real talk, all right? That's, the, that's how we do the show. This show is entrepreneur-based, business-based, kicking-ass-based, personal development-based uh, with a mix of what's going on in the world. And you might be asking yourself, like some of you do, Andy, why don't you just stick to what you're good at and talk about business and making money and shit? Because that's what I want to know. Well, hey, motherfucker, guess what? Um, if we don't have freedom... We don't have the ability to make money. If we don't have a free society and we're overtaxed and we're oppressed, which we are, all of us, not just the people that think they are, everybody is, uh, and we can't solve those issues, the fertile environment that we know as America where we've been able to make all kinds of money and do all kinds of great things uh, will cease to exist. So it's important that we as entrepreneurs and people who give a fuck about kicking ass keep the environment clean so that we can kick ass. And I don't mean clean from Greta Thunberg's standpoint. I mean... No dirty fucking tyrant hands in it. Uh, so that is basically the show. We do have a fee for the show. The fee is very simple. If you like the show, if it taught you something, which this show will teach you a lot, this, this show right here. Um, if it made you laugh, if it made you think, if it gave you a new perspective, if you thought it was valuable, we, all we ask is that you please shout, out, shout us out. Give us a share. Tell your friends. Uh, we don't grow the show uh, unless you tell people, because I don't run ads for the show. I don't run ads on the show. I don't let people leverage me for money. Uh, I say what the fuck I believe, and you may like it, you may not. And in exchange for that, I just ask that you share the show. So with that being said, I do have a very exciting guest who I've been looking forward to having on the show for quite some time, Mr. Eric Spofford. What's happening, bro? What's up, bro? Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. It's awesome oh, yeah. to have you here. No doubt. Yeah. So Eric... Uh, I found Eric on Instagram. Um, a few of my mutual friends kind of told me to check him out. I started watching his content. And normally, I'm pretty closed off with like, you know, new entrepreneur influencer content because like really the truth is there's a few key people out there who have actually done things. And then there's a lot of people that repeat those things, right? Like there's a lot of people who are just coaches who haven't really done anything in real life. And they're repeating the shit that, that they hear from, you know, let's be honest, people like me, okay? Uh, Eric is not one of those people. And that's why I enjoyed his content from the very beginning. And I sent him a message before I really knew, knew him at all. Uh, and I'm like, hey, bro, your content's really fucking good. And it's high level. You have to be a business operator to really understand the content. And in fact, we were just talking before the show. It's like, hey, we need to maybe break it down a little bit for some of the newer guys. <laughs> But uh, bro, you're putting out excellent content and uh, I'm really curious. And I know everybody is to kind of just hear, you know, how you got to become who you are now. God, you know? It's probably one of the most unorthodox paths to get to here that, that exists. Um, but you're a regular dude. You yeah. Regular you dude. grow up with fucking, 
you know, gold coins like Uncle Scrooge, oh, right? Dude, my dad was a logger. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm wore saying. Work boots, you know, yeah. every day. I grew up working up, you know, working with my dad. And uh, my parents were together until they got divorced when I was in fifth grade, did the split home thing, you mm -hmm. know, for a little bit. And then my dad raised me the rest of the way. <clears throat> Grew up very blue collar, um, you know, running chainsaws and heavy equipment and logging and, and doing that whole deal growing up. So you know how to work. I know how to work. Yeah. Yeah. My dad taught me how to work. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we worked. God, we worked Christmas morning. We were working, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm shoveling snow off of piles of wood to split firewood to split that shit to sell it to people and at the time like it seemed normal yeah you know what i mean now yeah. i look back i'm like what a fucking brutal way to make a living <laughs> yeah you know? like yeah. god damn yeah but dude i think that's why it's it taught so, me a lot dude and i it well, taught me a lot yeah bro and i also yeah. think that's why stories like yours or like mine or other people who actually come from reality are so important to tell yeah because I feel like a lot of people who are young, you know, we, we, we have a lot of listeners between the ages of 18 and 25 who think that because they come from uh, a challenging, you know, middle class or even lower middle class or even poor yeah. area of life that they're, they're just destined to be there their whole life. And it's just not the truth. I think that's the breeding ground for some of the best entrepreneurs that I've ever met. Necessity. Necessity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's one of the things I got two kids. I look at them and I, I'm like, I grew up hungry. Yeah. Like hung, since day one, one of the things I've always had is just hunger. Mm -hmm. And I look and I'm like, how do I raise my two boys to have that hunger? To have that hunger. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's, a, that's something Sal and I talk about a lot. It's yeah. Like, we, we grew up, we grew up with, with that same drive and hunger, but his kids are not going to, they're, it's a different thing. Which now. is a good it's thing a though, right? It's like, good like, and like bad. that's what you would hope for. It's good and bad. Yeah. How do you instill yeah. That drive and hunger in your children when you have built uh, undeniable wealth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real concern. Yeah. For parenting, you yeah. know? But yeah, I grew up hungry. I grew up blue collar. I grew up working hard. I mean, that's how I spent time with my dad when I was a little kid. He used to bring me on the job sites and I'd sit there and watch him work and count ants. He paid me a dollar an hour when I was like six. Bro, that's so similar to how I grew up. Yeah. I grew up uh, in the, my dad owned an electrical distributorship that he was building as we grew up. And uh, I grew up in where electrical warehouses around construction sites, like getting yeah. paid to sweep the fucking floor, which I never fucking really did a good job. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> it was, it's very similar. Yeah. Those are my people. I used that's, to pick up sticks yeah. and clean them out of the lawn. He'd just give me something to do and it felt yeah. important. You yeah, know? that's cool. Yeah. I think entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, I think, is an interesting thing. And it's like, you know, are they born or are they built? And and so I look back at my earliest memories and certainly the the recipe of what it takes to build an entrepreneur and instill that hunger, I had that. My mm -hmm. environment, my dad, you know, the things that I learned at a young age, how to work. I had all of those things, but I think at some level it was already within me. Mm -hmm. Like I was like lemonade stand, you know, X-Men yeah, cards, same. baseball cards, yeah. like, like this obsessive nature of the hustle and the making a dollar in which in my story took me down the wrong path very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, start sending out some of that higher margin stuff to sell. That higher margin <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, so it, it, it started at a young age and, uh, I don't, I often joke around this. I'm like, I don't know if I should be proud of this or not, but I hold the state of New Hampshire where I grew up's record for the youngest individual charged with drug sales. I was 10 years old, fifth grade. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. Selling weed? Selling weed. Yeah. 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 So, you know, my parents had just gotten divorced and, you know, the bank foreclosed on my home. I moved in a fucking, my dad was renting a bedroom in his buddy's house. My mom got an apartment and, um, I was like, fuck this shit. Yeah. And, uh, they were like things that I wanted. I wanted the cool, cool clothes and like, mm -hmm. I wanted all this stuff. And I was a badass little kid too, bro. I was rolling around with like the Discman CD player, listening to Tupac and Biggie, 10 years old, <laughs> packing a BB gun. And I would oh, fucking man. shoot you with that thing. I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> and I grew up in a neighborhood with a bunch of older kids yeah. that were like rugged. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I was like, you know, and so there was this one older kid, Greg, in my neighborhood. And he was like, I don't know, I was 10. He was probably like 17. And he was like the neighborhood weed dealer, teenage weed dealer. And he started fronting me ounces and then quarter pounds. At 10. At 10, yeah. And so, you know. I guess not, he didn't care as long as you showed up with the money. I always did. Yeah. Yeah. 
and so one day I, I, you know, I get off the bus and I'm walking up to my apartment building and there's three cruisers out front of the apartment building, two regular ones. And then remember dare like that program, yeah, just yeah, say yeah. no. Yeah. One that was like all painted dare. And I'm like, Ooh, somebody fucked up in yeah. the building. Yeah, and I you. walk in <laughs> and my mom's standing there. Yeah, and there's like a bunch of cops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My weed and my scale was on the coffee table. Oh, I was like, man. fuck, I'm nabbed. You know, you walk in, you like try not to look at it. <laughs> yeah. <What's going> on? <laughs> fuck. Dude. Yeah. And that's kind of where it started. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. I think, dude, it's very similar to me. Like I didn't sell weed or anything. My parents were, were involved, uh, very heavily in keeping me out of trouble. Uh, but they gave me outlets. Yeah. You know, my dad, uh, my dad used to let me take, so they would get light bulb shipments and they'd come in four packs and there'd be one broken light bulb. Right. Yeah. So that, that whole pack is defective. Yeah. So if you have a whole pallet of defective light bulbs, you can easily put the packs back together, course, yeah. right? And you have your shrinkage and some good product. Well, that shit didn't, that's not how the bank or, you know, insurance looked at it for him. So I would just take that shit and sell it door to door. So my dad yeah. would give me the fucking light bulbs and I would go sell them and he'd let oh, me yeah. keep the money. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was my little hustle, light bulbs. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fucking weird. That's crazy. Who the fuck else has sold light bulbs door to door? Yeah. I could have been selling weed and making yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> could have met Mr. McGruff. Yeah. yeah. So, so what happened? So like, so I'm, I assume that you didn't stop selling weed. I did not stop selling weed. Yeah. And uh, I kept selling weed and I always had similar hustles like that. Like mm -hmm. at one point in time, before I even had a driver's license, I talked a 17 year old to put a with a pickup truck and to get in a plow. And I was like the sales guy and we would go around and split the, you know, his truck, his gas, yeah. his insurance. And I just sold the plow jobs. And so I was always selling drugs, but also had legitimate hustles. And what do you think, what do you think caused that? Because I think about this a lot too, because I always had that same, that same thing. Um, which is why I appreciate when I see kids now, like if I see young kids, like with a lemonade stand or baseball cards or whatever, I always try to like, you know, Oh yeah. You got to pull buy something. Yeah. 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 You have um, to. Madat and I got to pay homage. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Last summer, uh, I was driving my LaFerrari and we fucking passed this lemonade stand. And this is actually a pretty funny story because I had fucking no money. So like I had no cash, <laughs> but you're pulling up. In this I, yeah, I was driving my LaFerrari. I had no fucking cash. I couldn't even buy a fucking lemonade from the le little girl with lemonade. So I drove up here to HQ. Madat was here. I'm like, Hey, you got five bucks. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And I'm like, you want to go? And so we went, we got him, we got her, uh, some children's, the Otis and Charlie children's books, and then oh, yeah. went back and bought some lemonade. Uh, I think I scared the shit out of Madat. You still owe me $5. Yeah, I do. I, I, do. I do. I never paid him. <laughs> dude ride around that's fucking instagram celebrity right there buddy yeah, running around nice car no fucking cash <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah dude it's uh i always had that and i think i i think after thinking about it like a long time because i was always like kind of encouraged to be uh resourceful but yeah. i think it really came from me observing the quality of life that certain people had and then observing, and, and this is no disrespect to like my parents did the best that they could and they did a good job. But like, I always like looked at these other people. I'm like, what the fuck makes these people so different? Why is this dude driving a fucking Lamborghini living in a $5 million house when that's, you know, what did he do? And it always like intrigued me. Yeah. And my dad was always very um, encouraging, like to explain to me what, what, what that, cost right like yeah. like if when i saw my first lamborghini i think it was like it was like around 1988 i was about eight years old and uh i'm like i fucking was blown away bro like it was a countach and i was like holy shit yeah. that is the coolest fucking thing i've ever seen i remember my dad telling me he's like well you know all that is is you know he just worked really hard to get it whereas like a lot of parents would fucking say like yeah he's a dick that's right he cheated yeah. his way to get yeah. that or he, that, you know, those people aren't. He must blah, have broken blah, blah. the rules. Yeah. And my dad was always like telling me, he's like, look, those people work very hard to have those things. Sounds and, like my dad. Yeah. And that ingrained it into me. Yeah. And, and for that reason, I was always trying to like get ahead. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, I think that was the biggest thing. But like, ultimately, I can't remember not being that way. Like. I, I can't either. Yeah. I've been like that my whole life. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think people are naturally. I mean, I don't know. 
I, I think, talked with Gary V about this, bro. I think it's a mix. Psychology will say like there, there's a mix, right? You're like your genetics loads the gun, but your environment pulls the trigger, right? So I do think that like the entrepreneurial drive, <laughs> I think it's innate in a lot more people. And it's evident if you look throughout history, right? Like there was a point in this country where the vast majority of Americans were entrepreneurs, right? And I think it's just been bled out over time. And as the environment became less fruitful for that to happen, and then you put in all the victimhood and you put in all the... Like, it drives it out. But, I mean, I think a lot of people, it's definitely innate. It's just whether or not the environment allows it to flourish. Yeah, I also think, though, too, to be a great entrepreneur, there is something. It's it's no different. So, Gary, I was talking to Gary about this a long time ago. And, you know, he equated it. His example was, I could play basketball. Now, he's talking as him. He's like, I could play basketball, and I could practice basketball, and I can get pretty good at basketball. Like, I can go play in a men's league. I could probably you know, be good on my high school team, probably play in college, but I'll never be LeBron James. Mm -hmm. And so there is something there. There's some sort of that to entrepreneurship too. I think a lot of people can do very well in entrepreneurship, but there's certain people that have something that everybody else doesn't have. Mm. It seems to be innate. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but like the Bezos or the Musk or the, yeah. Or even, even, I mean, I think it's like the, the, we have to be careful to like categorize people because like, like, dude, real talk, like if you want to break down Bezos' success, motherfucker was in the right place at the right fucking time, the perfect fucking time. Then he didn't have to pay tax for like 15 fucking years. Right. Okay. Right. So he didn't have to pay. There was some environment helps there yeah. for sure. <laughs> so if you have, if you have this new company in this new technology in this, and I'm not taking away, bro, the guy's fucking rich as fuck and mm-hmm. I'm not hating either. Good for him. But he had a competitive advantage over the course of fucking 15 years where he didn't have to collect sales tax. Mm. That's a 10% advantage over brick and mortar automatically across the board. Okay. That's why if you, you weren't alive then, well, you were, but you were just a kid, but you'll probably remember, you know, remember what Amazon's fucking strategy was in the beginning. It was price. It's always price, 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 price. Well, no shit. If you can get a 10% advantage for not collecting the tax. And plus at that time they're employing, way less people than all these brick and mortar people uh, collectively are employing. So the government gave them a a distinct advantage. So like, dude, my point is nobody talks about these things when they talk about the greatness of entrepreneur. To me, I'm more impressed by someone who comes from real, uh, the real world and, and builds something from nothing, like with no fucking advantages and grits it the fuck out. To me, that's more impressive. But anyway, agree. So what happened after that? Dude, I, um, I was dealing drugs. I was, you know, chasing legitimate opportunities as well. And at 14 years old, a kid I'd known my whole life came over my house and my, my life changed that day. He broke out an Oxycontin and we did half of it. I got high on, excuse me, I got high on opiates for the first time. At 14? 14. Six months later, I was an IV heroin addict. Fuck. And, uh, and so I was 15 years old, strung out on dope, selling drugs, um, Dropped out of high school, was hanging with grown ass men doing grown ass things. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an open book. I'll answer anything. Yeah. I don't want to bore anyone with the crazy stories, but you know, it was cops no, and bro, robbers. That's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy shit. And, yeah. um, and so by the time I was 17, 17 years old, I go to my dad and I'm like, dad, I'm, I'm addicted to heroin. I need help. I get help for the first time. And from 17 till I'm almost 22 years old. I'm getting locked up. I'm getting in trouble. Um, my life is a fucking movie, not mm-hmm. the good kind. Um, and I eventually, and I'm trying to get sober over and over again. Mm-hmm. And, oh, like a hundred times. Dude. Mm-hmm. I go to detoxes. I go to jail. I go to everything you can think of to do to get sober and get clean from, from drugs. Uh, I tried to do over and over and over again and failed miserably. And, you know, the one thing that I did right was I just never gave up. Mm-hmm. And eventually, December 7th of 2006, through a crazy set of circumstances, I had to go on the run for an armed robbery for a drug deal gone bad. Uh, it was 135 pounds, track marks up and down both arms, had been out of jail again for like maybe two weeks. Um, had nothing. My own family wouldn't answer my phone call. I had two pairs of clothes and a trash bag. Everybody had gave up on you at that point. For years. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Like, I would call home and they'd be like, if we see you in the neighborhood, we're calling the fucking cops. Yeah. Like, don't come here. And um, and that's how I started. That's where I started. Like, mm-hmm. I started as a kid in a blue collar, you know, 
family working and shit. But um, I really started with homeless. I kicked a dope habit, sleeping on a couch, uh, puking, pissing, shitting for weeks and walking to 12-step recovery meetings. You just said I'm get, fucking done? I, I, I had this moment of clarity of, it was almost like, like, the, like the, the curtain got pulled back and I could see my life and what I'd become in in reality for the first time in a long time mm -hmm. and i was like dude if i'm not done now i'm dead mm -hmm. or i'm going to prison for a very long time like none of these little baby bids like i'm going mm -hmm. and uh i mean i had just by the grace of god the, the last the the precursing event to me finding recovery was i was dope sick i was desperate and it was a drug deal and i rushed a kid with a kitchen knife with a butcher knife and he got a superficial cut in his neck from the struggle and I robbed him for $82. And I shot four bags, four $20 bags of heroin and I hid in a closet the night of December 6th of 2006 as the entire police department locked down the hood that I was in looking for me. Wow. And it was the next morning that I got up and I, I took off, I left that state. I was in Maine, I went back to New Hampshire and, uh, and that's when I got clean. And I've been clean and sober, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't onto shit that's fucking awesome um since then yeah. and so you know i was almost 22 years old i had burnt my life to the ground and what happened for me was i got plugged in with this group of men that the principles and the shit that they taught me was so in line dude extreme accountability honesty integrity show up early set the room up stay late clean it up be of service like and they they cared about me and loved me so much that they didn't give a single fuck how I felt. Mm -hmm. They hurt my feelings all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was the best thing for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I was this young punk kid, violent, wild, you know, chip on my shoulder, thought I was the man. And they really broke me down, but with love. Mm -hmm. They used to say that, um, kid, we're going to tell you the truth, but the truth without love is cruelty. We love you, but we're going to tell you the truth. Yeah. And they, um, I owe my life to those guys. That's you know? fucking awesome, man. Yeah, and so I, I, I went through this 12-step recovery process, which is really meant to, to bring about a full transformation. It's not just about abstaining from drugs and alcohol. That's what a lot of people have fucked up around recovery and, and alcoholism and addiction, that like drugs and alcohol were actually a solution to a deeper problem that existed within inside. me. And, um, and when I removed the drugs and alcohol, it left me with a big problem, and that problem needed a solution recovery in the 12 step fashion was what provided me that solution. When I got sober, I had this transformational experience and I got like more passionate, more excited than I ever thought was ever possible about anything ever to go and help other men get sober like me. And so for the first two years, almost two years, it was for free. I was volunteering. I was living in a $550 a month apartment. My first winter, I got sober in December in New Hampshire. It was fucking cold. Um, I was able to scrape together 500 bucks to get a month's rent. And in early January, I moved into that apartment and I had no furniture. <laughs> the, the landlord was showing me the, uh, the apartment. It's in the hood, bro. I'm talking mm -hmm. prostitutes, dope dealers, shootings, crazy shit. And we go in and there's this couch and the couch is like dirty and, and all the shit's busted. It's one of those couches that you sit on and your ass just sinks to the, mm -hmm. to the yeah. floor. You know what yeah. I mean? And he's like, oh, we'll, we'll have, you know, one of the maintenance guys get this out of here. I was like, I'll take care of it, sir. Don't worry about it. And I sat on that, built that couch up and slept on a pile of blankets and sat on that couch, went back to work in construction, logging, cutting trees down every day. And I would wake up early. I'd be, you know, Fuck, I don't know, 6.30 in the morning, cutting trees down, get out of that, go home. And I would walk through the hood. Um, and there was a state-funded, like, run-down, dilapidated treatment center that homeless people would literally come out of, like, Tent City and go try to get sober at. And I, every night and all weekend long from morning to night, I just spent all my time there trying to help other people. And it was in that, like, trying to help other people that it, the experience was unbelievable for myself. And then I was like, these people keep leaving here and they got nowhere to go. And so I got this idea that I wanted to, I was always loved real estate and was obsessed with real estate. And so I got this idea that I wanted to buy a building and give these people a place to go for longer term care. And that was the birth of my first legitimate business in sobriety with a little bit of help from my dad and, uh, and some money I put together, I bought 
in in October 2008, I bought, and this is, so I'm a 23 year old kid, and this is like yeah. when the world's falling apart, yeah. the economy. Yeah, we bought. I yeah, I know yeah. you do. And um, I bought a three family home in a town called Derry, New Hampshire, from the bank. They had foreclosed on it, and I bought it for 150 grand, and got a bunch of furniture donated, and moved into it, and started what ended up being the state of New Hampshire's uh, first sober living house. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and that was the birth of the business. So, how did the business work? In the beginning, I moved in. I lived there. Mm -hmm. I did everything. I mean, I answered the phones. I, you know, did all the administrative work. If the plumbing broke, I fixed it. I ran the groups for the clients. I taught them. I, you know, did all of it. The groups was a daily thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the guys would leave rehab and they would come live with me. Okay. And I lived there for two years okay. with the guys. And okay. so I, I left this. Yeah. I'm, I'm asking cause I'm unfamiliar. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm totally. So, yeah. So it, yeah, it was a, it was a three family apartment building. Each bedroom had two beds in it. And I lived in this small little studio in the back of the building. And, uh, you know, we, we rolled like a family. And so we ate dinner together. We, you know, I taught them how to live. I taught them recovery. I brought them through this recovery process. Uh, and they paid weekly. And so a lot of times those guys would come with nothing, right? They, just, they got not jack shit. And so I would let them come, help them get a job. And, um, and then once they started getting jobs, they paid me like, I think it was like 150 bucks a week or something in the beginning. And so I really wasn't making any money. I, yeah, was, yeah. I was living for free. Right. It's like my, my living expense was like zero and maybe I made a couple bucks. Yeah. And, um, and then I opened a second one the next year. So you, you opened one. So you got the first one and then the second one within a year. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And then I started, st one of the things that I think. So at some point you had to like, this had to click, like this could be a real thing for you to go to open your second one. Right. Or were you just doing it? purely out of like, I just need to help more people. I've always, <laughs> this is funny. Like I look back at the career. So I, I, from the, from October, 2008 till I sold that business, which was in December of 2021, it was 13 years, two months. And I was like blindly, I feel like I was like Noah building Noah's Ark. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I got to do this. I need mm -hmm. another house. I got, I got a waiting list. I got mm -hmm. all these guys. They got nowhere to go. I mm -hmm. got to take care of them. Like I got to, so I went and got another house. And of course, at the same time, I'm looking at the economics and I'm like, all right, well, I can make a little more money too. Yeah. And so I did that. One of the things I attribute a lot of my success to and interested in your thoughts on this is, is my ability to learn. Like I will, if you, if I'm onto something, I, I'm a 15 year old dropout. I still don't have a GED. Yeah but I'll run neck and neck with anyone with an MBA. Yeah. And I will obsessively, like, I won't fucking sleep. Like, I'll just go down this rabbit hole until I've like mastered this, gotten the information, and then been able to take the information and put it into practical application in that. And so what happened at that point in time was I had a friend that, I had these couple sober living houses, and I had a friend that had a job working for a, a inpatient drug rehab, like an expensive one. And there was this conference in Cape Cod in Massachusetts. And he was like, come down and check it out. And I was sitting in the lobby at this hotel in the middle of this conference. And I met this super hot blonde from South Florida that owned a medical billing company. And she was like, you do what? Do you provide any treatment? I was like, no, what's that? The guy had no idea. She's like, do you have therapists and do you build their insurance? And like, and I was like, no. And she's like, why don't you fly down to Florida and I'll teach you a couple of things and I'll make you a million dollars this year. And I was like, sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's when I started to um, figure out that it was a much bigger industry. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about timing with Jeff Bezos. Dude, this is 2011. Um, I opened my first clinical treatment program. So I'm hiring now therapists and psychiatrists. And now I'm providing treatment. I mean, figuring all of this out. And, um, and at the same time, Obama is pushing through the Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. which actually helped the addiction treatment and mental health treatment industry because it mandated that every insurance policy covered the mental benefit health. for yeah. mental health. Right. And so that was the beginning of the explosion of the addiction treatment business was when that went through. And so there I was, it was like prime time. Yeah. Good timing. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. I think uh, to your point on the, on the learning thing, 
I do think that's a differentiating factor between anybody who's a high operating individual. Anybody who I know who's high operating, whether they're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, they 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 have the capacity to learn new skills on demand. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. I love that on demand. Yeah, yeah. Dude, like whatever the fuck I gotta know, I'll fucking know it. And yep. I'm the same way, dude. Like I will look into everything. <laughs> have to be all the way to the bottom. Yeah. Driver's um, test. Huh? Driver's yeah, that's test. right. <laughs> hey, I read the whole book. <laughs> you know, my whole my whole strategy there was uh, you know, charisma. Oh yeah, yeah, right, 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 <laughs> yeah. right, right. That was my whole strategy. Um, but no, I think that's you know, when I think about like my the key people I surround myself with, the people who I rely on. And this is a good lesson for entrepreneurs, because I think in entrepreneurs, you know, employees who are within a good organization, a lot of them don't understand that the most valuable skill that you could actually have is that, is the yeah. ability to learn something new when it's required to learn. And um, that's something that gets kind of passed by. And I think a lot of people build up their own boundaries around the learning thing because they say, well, I don't need to learn this because I know this and this and this, and that's really not my thing. Well, this should be your thing if you want to make any more fucking money, bro. Like that's, that, that's how I've always looked at it. And I also think too, that a lot of, a lot of people don't understand how to value information properly. That's something I've noticed, like, uh, like low, low income, low performing individuals, they, they will look at a book, right. Or, or, a, uh, a podcast or whatever. Right. And they say, well, that's a waste of my time. Mo every single person I know that's, that's kicked ass and done something significant and done well for themselves financially. And I mean, very well. They look at it all, every single one of them looks at information the same. If I can pick up one paragraph or one sentence or one thought or one idea out of a three hour book or a, uh, you know, a speech or a whatever, wherever I'm looking for them, then it was worth my time because that, that information, that one sentence or one thought could make me millions of dollars over here over the course of my life. And so I see that a lot, especially like, um, especially like, it's just a, it's just a difference between people who win and people who don't win how they how they process the value of individual information 100% um i i will read a, an entire book for one sentence i will i will listen to an entire conference for one thought cuz it's idea. that one moment bro it's that uh, oh yeah and i it. could take that yep. and fucking like bro i just read this book recently um it was a really good book um it was a story about this guy who, who had a restaurant and he took the restaurant and made it from basically shit to the number one restaurant in the world and a really good book. But there was one concept, you know, it was a great story, right? But like my, my company's built on, on fucking service and hospitality. So like yep. the name of the book was Unreasonable Hospitality. Great fucking book. Great fucking story. Um, if you haven't read it, read it. It's a good story. But there was one concept in there and like, dude, that he talked about, I read the whole book and I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's what I would do too. Blah, 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 blah. And then they have one unique concept that I hadn't thought of. And I'm like, fuck, this is fucking amazing. I took that concept, bro. It's already made me a shit ton of money just from the fucking three months I put into play. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Crazy. like we, high value, high operating people definitely understand investing their time and money into learning new things at a deep level, but also understand how to value that properly. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I just see that as a big difference. Between and you, you articulate it in, in such a, a clear, concise way. I'm just like, I'm over here studying. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah. why aren't you doing this? Yeah. You know, and it is I like what you said about it's the difference between people that win and people that don't win. Yeah. I think you that's know? a huge deal. And I, I think, yeah. I think those two things, like if you're out there right now and you're listening to this and you're like, fuck, how can I get ahead? Maybe you're in an organization uh, where there's a lot of good people there. It's competitive, right? Our, 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 all of our organizations are highly competitive. You want to stand out. You want to know the ultimate skill, dude. The ultimate skill is to be able to learn the new shit that people need to know right yep. now. Yep. And then also to, to do enough information absorption and understand that it's an investment in your time and it's worth your time and money to do so. I think those two things differentiate almost everybody who's like, you know, there's things that differentiate people from level to level to level. I, I find that all the highest level people are consistent in their viewpoints on those two topics. Yep. 
you know, I, I've constantly I've, learning. I've, I've not found someone who's legitimately built something, you know, like we hear some of these Instagram influencers who are supposedly wealthy and they, oh, I don't fucking read books. I learn by experience. Well, you're a dumb fucker, man. Yeah. Because like, if I can fucking learn not to step in that hole because I read uh, Eric's story or I read someone's story of mm -hmm. who stepped in the fucking hole and I don't want to do that. I saved myself three years of, of bullshit. Yep. And so like, I think, I think that's a highly underrated topic that people don't talk about. How to value information. Self-education. Yeah, bro. And Self-education. Yep. Like you can't look at these things like a, like a book investment and say, oh, I, that was, it took me four and a half hours to read that book. It was a waste of my time. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? You paid $20 for that fucking book. That book, <laughs> that book just gave you 15 fucking steps that can make you hundreds of thousands yep. of dollars over the course of your life. It wasn't a waste of your time. It was the best possible use of your time. Yep. And, and the, the perspective difference is so bizarre to me to, when people say like, well, you know, I don't fucking, I don't read or I don't, this is like, who do you think you are, Jesus? Like, you think you're the best? Like, you think you walk on water, bro? Yeah. We're all out here. We, like, I, me and you are regular dudes, bro. I got to work really fucking hard to be good at what I do. And I know you do too. 100%. You know, and like some of these people, it's just like, they're spitting out this bullshit on the internet. It's the, Honestly, I, it's why you're sitting here. Yeah. Because I can identify the people <laughs> who are full of shit. Yeah. I'm like, bro, you're full of shit. You're making your money on a fucking coaching group. You never built a goddamn thing yeah. your entire fucking life. You're lying to people. And- you're collecting some income and pretending like you're a baller. But then there's people like you where I, I hear your video about high level operation of an organization. And, and by the way, you're getting less views than these other fucking knuckleheads are. Dude, I want to share my platform with people like you yeah. who have actually done these things because I think those are the most important stories to tell. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, like what, I like one of the talk tracks you were on there right there about how people don't see the value in reading and information. Like we didn't invent this shit. Yeah. Like you guys understand like all the principles and the lessons Bro. and the teachings and all the stuff that we have that we've implemented in our life that has made us millions of dollars. I wasn't sitting in meditation and, and fucking received it like a fucking prophet. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Dude. Like it Wait, didn't so just come to me. That's not how it works. <laughs> Bro, Maybe not DJ, for me. DJ, yeah. Look, dude, I've been in the personal development space for over a decade, like at the high, at the highest level. Okay. And I'm telling you, most people think that it's through the yeah. relentless pursuit of information through books, podcasts, YouTube, yeah. Google searches, mentorship, asking people questions, getting in the right rooms, showing up to the conference, yeah. like just showing the fuck up. Yeah. Like Bro. so many people think so it's a underrated. waste of their So underrated. Yeah. Like guys, you don't understand. One thing I know that I've done and I've been watching you for a long time. I show the fuck up. Yeah. I might be at this conference for three days and it feels like a waste of time and the hotel sucks and I'm having all this meaningless conversation, but it's that one moment. It's, it's this constant thing of like this unlock. It unlocks this thing in my mind with this new piece of information, this new perspective, this new angle that I'm able to look at my problems through. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's how they did it. Oh, okay. Got it. You, and like that, that, that really describes Zero dollars, fucking nothing, trying to save 50 grand to buy a building to 55 million in top line revenue, 325 employees and $115 million exit. Yeah. Like it, that 13 years was just constantly. Yeah. And by the that's way, that's what I was doing. And by the way, you're still a young man. Were you 38? 38. Yeah. yeah. You're still fucking young, bro. Yeah. You ain't even started I'm yet. working harder today you, than I've ever worked. Like. Preach. Yeah. Me I too. Do. Yeah. Like, and so it's, it's, it's some of those things that, that I get frustrated with people with, you oh, know, I fucking love that. dude. Yeah. I, but I'm like, how the fuck am I up earlier than rich and richer than you? <laughs> how am I chasing more information than you are? And I'm fucking richer than you. And please, somebody explain to me, how the fuck am I working harder than you? And I'm richer than you. Bro, and then I'm going to listen to your fucking whining ass bullshit. It's like, bro, this isn't like, I didn't win the lottery. I didn't like, I'm uh, like, I showed the fuck up. Yeah. That's what happened over and over, over and over and over, and over and by again. The way, and not to mention, started, I got my dick kicked in a fucking million times. You know what I did the next morning? Got up and did it again. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. How, how many times of those times that you showed up, did you actually not want to show up? Because, half. dude, at least half. <laughs> I, dude, I'll be real. I, this is real shit. Yeah. Like, and I, like, dude, you guys can choose to believe this shit or not. 
But I promise you, I work harder now than I worked ever in my fucking life. Uh-huh. And every single day, every and DJ knows this because he hears me bitch about it all the time. I'm like, <laughs> why the fuck am I still doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing? But then, dude, you know, I, real talk. I meet someone like you, or I meet someone who has come through and built some shit. And then it like re-inspires me. I'm like, fuck, dude, my message is important. Like, I have to keep going. Yeah. I have to keep helping people. You know, the world's falling apart. Like, I have to fucking do my part, even though I fucking and don't you know, have to do it. Do you know what's funny about that, though, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize, is that if you didn't, you'd fall apart. Oh, bro. Dude, Trust I fuck it's 20, like 20 this fucking. It's like this fucking. <laughs> it's, dude, Emily knows better than anybody. It's like this fucking paradox yeah. situation that I cannot escape. Because part of me, I'm like, fuck, dude, I could sell my shit and be done, like, and done, done, like at the high level, done yep. like with bees. You know yep. what I'm saying? And, and, and then I look around and I'm like, but I have everything. I have everything I want. Dude. So I'm trading everything I want for a few extra fucking numbers on a fucking sheet. Like, it doesn't make sense. So. I, 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 when I get frustrated with what's going on in life, I start to think about that, right? But then I think, I'm like, fuck, dude, just about what you were getting ready to say. What the fuck would I do? Bro, I did it. Bro, and I would self-destruct. I, guaranteed. I, I'll be fucking honest, yeah. real and raw. Like, bro, I didn't, I sold my shit and it wasn't B's, but it was a fuckload of M's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of M's. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was a dope pad in Miami. Yeah. It was a hundred foot boat. It yeah. was a private jet yeah. and I could yeah. do whatever the fuck I want to yeah. do for a very long time, probably yeah. till I die. Yeah. Yeah. And, Are um, you ain't stopping? Dude, I was miserable. Yeah. I was like, fuck. Like, yeah. like it was cool for a little while, yeah. but you know, on the 50th time that you're coming back from live nightclub yeah. at four in the morning yeah. and waking up and like, what am I? It's just like, it's, it's for a love of the game. Yeah. It really is for yeah. a love of the game. Like at this point, at this level, you hit a certain point where, where the money, not, I don't want to say it's meaningless because I don't want to get clipped and fucking be like, Oh, you called money meaningless. But like, dude, when you have a boat, when you live where you want to live, eat where you want to eat, travel how you want to travel and fucking essentially have access to absolutely anything that you want to fucking have. After that, there's nothing, you're not working for any, results you particularly you got to have a purpose it's got to be for a love of the game and so that's why you know i very quickly i made it a couple months dude i went into retirement of like plenty of cash and not no responsibilities i made it like two and a half months yeah i bet you're bored as fuck dude bored as fuck see i got real lucky with this so i learned this without exiting my business i learned i got super sick in 2014 i got pneumonia and i missed like 17 days of work because I literally couldn't go to work. <laughs> yeah. Right? And at the time, you know, I thought I was rich, which I wasn't, but I thought I was. I was making more money than I ever made in my life. Yeah. And I'm looking at my phone. I'm seeing the sales go up every day. Like, I'm like, all right, yeah, fucking cool. I'm watching Pacific Rim on fucking TV, bro, like every day because it was on every day. <laughs> and I, I probably watched it every single day for those 17 days. And I got like halfway through the fucking, like, and I'm like, bro. And it clicked for me. I'm like, this is why fucking wealthy people kill themselves. Like, yeah. this is why. This is why. Mm -hmm. And dude, I, sh I was able to catch that in that brief moment and then shift my perspective to purpose right then and there. And it's, cha it's changed everything. Yeah. But fuck, dude, when you, you know, and you know this, like when you get to a certain level of business, you know, like I don't generally get to do what I enjoy to do to operate my business. Like, being the CEO and running the show is actually not what I'm best at. What I'm best at and what you're best at is actually fucking face-to-face -face with someone helping work through whatever the fuck they got going on. 100%. And I miss that shit, bro. I miss that shit because now I'm a fucking operator. You know, like I can't spend my time at the front counter of our retail stores. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would love to, but I can't. But it, it just becomes a different thing. So I try to find it, ways to like fulfill. I try to remember like, I've got soldiers now. Like all these people are doing that job for me and they're doing a much better job than I could do by myself. Yeah. But um, I was very lucky to have that happen, dude. Like very lucky to have that realization. To have the epiphany. Yeah, for sure. Of that. Yeah. I, I, I'm very thankful for that. It was a key if, moment in my life. It, it, I don't regret selling my business because in my business, I, I believe that I, I took it to the end of the life cycle that 
I should have been there for, yeah. for a lot of reasons. Uh, a lot of the reasons you talk about frequently, like I had a lot of problems with people, dude. I, mm -hmm. I was in like a small town, New Hampshire, there's mm -hmm. 1.1 million people in the whole state. Mm -hmm. And then there's that colorful ass. The city. What's that? So we have that population just in the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then you have me and I'm like driving supercars and like. No one else is. Nobody else is. Right. right. I had the only Rolls Royce in the entire state, the yeah. only McLaren in yeah. the entire state. And so I started to take a lot of arrows mm -hmm. and, and I've, I have huge respect for all the dialogue that you've given it over the years of what it takes to win and how that's going to change a lot of your relationships. Mm -hmm. And you're going to take a lot of hate. You're going to take arrows and like, yeah. you need to be prepared for that. It's real shit. It's and real and you shit, can't dude. stop it. And there's nothing you can do about it. But here's where the good, this, this is the good part. This is also where I got really lucky. I still remember what seeing that Lamborghini did to me as a fucking eight-year-old kid. No doubt. Like, I remember that. And like, dude, when I pull up to like a gas station or whatever and whatever car I'm driving, I fucking, first of all, I, I don't drive cars to flex cars. If I wanted to flex my shit, you'd all see it. You don't fucking see it, do you? I drive the shit because I fucking like it. Yeah. And uh, when I pull up at a gas station, bro, it's always the kids, man. It's always the kids. It's kids from fucking five to fucking 20. That's the coolest part about Bro, one of these the, cars. And, and dude, every time it happens, I remember that story of how I, and dude, if I had not seen that Lamborghini that fucking day and had my dad reinforce it with like, mm -hmm. no, he, listen, he works really hard. And it got my, got me curious. Bro, I don't know where the fuck I would be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the coolest thing about that, and like, because <clears throat> you don't show it, but like, I'm typically there. Well, I'm getting with ready to show the shit because we're going to have the biggest car YouTube channel in the fucking world. Well, so you know. facts. But my, my, Might not be the my, biggest, my point but is, like, the, the most coolest fun. part is like when those kids <laughs> run up, like, it doesn't matter if he has a meeting to go to or whatever, like, he's going to take that time. I yeah, always no do. Doubt. You know, no matter like, what, everybody else can fucking wait. Yeah. Yep. Like, that's a good part of being, being the fucking no boss. Doubt. No yeah, doubt. You're going to wait for me. I'm going to talk to these kids. Dude, it's imperative. I, man. I fucking love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. I think I think it's something about being able to just see what's possible. Like we like we talk about it quite a bit. It's like if you can, if you don't know, if you can't really physically see what's truly possible, how do you have anything to strive for? You, you yeah. can't. You have to touch dude. This is why it's so important for you yeah. guys to understand. And I, I'm willing, I, I wonder, I'm I I'm I don't know Eric enough to know this. So I'm I'm wondering what you're gonna say about this. But like Bro, like growing up, like after I saw that car, bro, my favorite magazine was DuPont Registry. My mm. favorite, the Rob Report. I would get on fucking, I, I, dude, to this day, I spent, last night, I spent two hours on the fucking internet looking at cars that like I, that, you know, I could fucking buy right now. But like, dude, I don't treat myself like that anymore. I, mm -hmm. Now I hit goals and get shit. But yeah. like- because otherwise it gets boring. You know what I'm no saying? No doubt, yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> you have to make a game out of it. Like when you could actually start to afford this shit, you have to start making things that you have to do to in order to reward. That's yeah, how I do it at least. I do the same shit. Yeah, so yeah. like, because like, dude, if I just went out and bought all the shit I fucking wanted, what, you, like I got friends that do that and they're bored. They're like, fuck, I don't fucking care about my shit. Like I don't ever want to lose that passion I have for, for automobiles. Yeah. Um, But the 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 point the point I'm trying to make here, basically long way around, is that, dude, yeah, people fucking hate you. People will hate you, but those people that hate you, they long ago gave up on their fucking dreams, and who they really hate is themselves yeah. for giving the fuck up. Because you just remind them when you show the fuck up, and they see that you're like, bro, everybody around here knows I'm a regular fucking dude. They know I fucking grew up over here. I went, I grew up in the Melville School District. I went to fucking Viani right up the street. Like everybody around here knows my story. They fucking know who the fuck I am. And those people have seen us go from this to that to this, mm -hmm. right? And, and I'm lucky in our community here, like St. Louis is such a supportive community that I don't really get too much hate here. Like I, the people here are fucking cool. And uh, even though it is a hard town and there is a lot of crime, there is a lot of bullshit. Most of the people here are really fucking good people. Yeah. So I, I'm really lucky with that. But like, dude, you're, you're, when you start changing and you start evolving and you start growing and you start getting obviously successful, people get pissed, dude. And they get pissed, not at you. They might take it out on you and they might say, well, fuck, you know, that's fucking, you know, look at this guy. Fuck look, you. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> they might do that. Like, that's not really why they're no, mad. No, they're mad at themselves for never even fucking trying. Yeah. That's what they're like. And I, I am, dude, the thing I'm most, 
most grateful for in my life, like if I lost everything today, tomorrow, fucking whenever, which ain't going to happen. But if I did, I would still be able to sleep at night because I knew I gave it fucking everything I could. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, yep. this to get where we're at, it's taken everything from me. Like everything, like everything. I know you know. I, dude, most I, people don't know. I absolutely yeah, know. Most people hear everything and they you think- You left that, it all, all on the field yeah, every day yeah. since the beginning. Every fucking day. Yeah. And, 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 and they, and think, of, they, think, they think that today is easier than when you were sleeping on the back, you know, in the back of the store. No, it's harder. It's harder. Yeah. So they don't understand. Much harder because there's more, there's more variables. Yep. There's more problems. There, and it, the, the sheer number of fucking problems that come with a business the size the, the size of the companies that, that I'm in charge of now is overwhelming. Yep. It's fucking overwhelming. Yep. Like people get pissed at you. They, they, you don't talk to them. I'm, I didn't get to see you for the last two weeks because I've been doing all kinds. Oh, you don't like me anymore. You haven't been showing me attention. Like there's very little grace. You know what I mean? Like people don't give you the grace. They, it's, it's very weird. That's a really good point. Yeah. They don't give you the grace that they expect themselves. Yeah. It's weird. It's a double dude. standard. It, and it gets worse. Yeah. The bigger you get, it gets worse. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, motherfucker, do I have 1,800 un unanswered texts on my phone right now? I was talking <laughs> to one of my buddies this morning uh, who I hadn't talked to in a while. And he's like, yeah, I texted you a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, bro, I didn't even fucking see it. Like I didn't yeah. see it. You know, and, and he, I'm like, why didn't you text me back? He's like, I thought you were mad at me. And it starts creating shit like that. Yeah. And it's like, dude, it's like, it's like drinking from a fucking open fire hydrant all the time. And that, that's that. So from the second your eyes open yeah. until they close. Yeah. But look, it's better than being broke. It's than being broke. <laughs> and we'd be lying if we didn't say we weren't having fun. That's right. Know? It's still fun. Yeah, we're having fun. But there's, those are the challenges that people don't realize. And like, no, they don't, you know, when they say, like when they hear you and I talk about giving it all or laying, like leaving it all in, in the game. Yeah. Most people hear what because their their perspective and their framework for their life is different, right? They they most people look at their day as okay, I'm gonna spend seven hours at work, I'm gonna spend three hours with the family, I'm gonna spend one hour working out, and they segment their day out. And so when I say I gave it all, they they think, well, he gave it all during those seven hours. <laughs> no, yeah, motherfucker. no motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, all, all yeah. the time from the time my eyes are open to the time you go to sleep. That was a lot of the challenge and a lot of, I sold my business for a lot of reasons. That was some of it, which was this small town, too big of a fish and yeah. too small of a pond. Yeah. I outgrew it. A lot of that stuff came from people that I loved. Yeah. I could deal with the bullshit those, from those the haters. Worse. It was the ones that were close to me yeah. that, that fucked me. It, I, I'm sure you have a thousand stories and I have a thousand stories, but it was the repetition of like everyone I tried to help everyone. I tried to, you know, over and over and over again. I was just like, God damn, I got to get the fuck out of here. Bro, you know, because what happens, I know this too. What happens is you, you, you have no money. Then all of a sudden you've got money and then big problems to other people that might, it might take five grand, right. To mm -hmm. like fix. Right. So you're like, fuck it. I've done this a million times. A bro. million. So I give the motherfucker five grand thinking it's like, okay, I'm going to just take this stress off your plate. You go fix your shit. Don't sweat it. Don't mention now it. Now you're the fixer of problems. Oh, fuck. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Forever. It's like feeding a fucking stray cat. It really is. <laughs> no, it really is, bro. And, and, yeah. and, like, and then what happens is you get, you get bitter yeah. because you realize that people that you actually gave a fuck about, because yeah. that's why you helped them. You get bitter because they start taking advantage of you. And you're like, bro, I've become the fucking ATM everything, for all these people's bad decisions. Everything, a lot of your relationships become transactional. Yeah. It, it robs authenticity of yeah. a lot of your relationships. Um, you know, and the thing that they don't see a lot of them, you're, you're, with your breakdown of people's time and their deployment compared to our deployment, I'd be looking at these people and be like, how do you hate me because I was able to achieve this and buy that and earn this and make this? I fucking suffered when you didn't. Yeah. I worked while you slept. That's right. I fucking, you went and played in your fucking softball league and I was turning the office lights off at one in the fucking morning and I was back here at 6 a.m. People, people can't like, comprehend that. They dude. can't comprehend they, it. They can't comprehend that while they're living their movie, right? Like they're in their movie yeah. and like all these different things are happening. Yeah. You're still doing the same thing. 
the same thing that you they saw you do, the last thing they saw you doing, you're still doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's it's hard for people to connect those dots. And, you know, and I, they it's hard for them to connect those dots and it's hard for them to comprehend how much different a winner's output is compared to theirs. Yeah. Like you think you're giving your all because you were on time for 9 a.m. and you stayed to 5.30. You didn't leave at five on the dot. Yeah. Like that isn't, that's like the fucking bare minimum. Man, I'd rather have someone here half the day. It just fucking crushes. Yeah. Then you have half the day off, motherfucker. Like I'd rather have that. Yeah. Like, dude, I, I've, given, I've given up yeah. on rating people's work by their time put in. Like I rate the result and that yeah. is it. I don't give a fuck about how much time you put in. Bro, if it took you five five times as long as what it should have taken you, that's because you don't have good enough skills. Yeah, no doubt. You know, if you put in all these hours and produce this shitty result, it doesn't, that's not, I don't care how much time you put in. And the thing is, is that sounds insensitive to people that don't understand it. But like, that's reality, bro. That's the whole, that's reality. The world only judges your result. Yep. It does not judge your work ethic. People think, people think, like I talk with Tim Grover about this all the time. Tim, Tim laughs his fucking ass off about it. He, people think like, oh, bro, I'll come work for you. Dude, I'm a hard worker. Well, you fucking better be, bro. Like, <laughs> that is like the minimum that yeah. you have to have. Like, yeah. And it's so, it's so weird when people talk about themselves, about like how good they are at something when they're actually pretty low level because they always say the same shit. Well, yeah, I'm a hard worker. Bro, it's it's according to what yeah. yeah and who and yeah. If, yeah. if you were such a hard worker and you actually like and then they say well fuck dude people who do roofs work r they work harder than everybody i agree concrete guys and roof guys work harder than fucking anybody but you know what we're not solving a, a, a rare enough problem there to drive the income on the mm -hmm. on the other side yeah. and if you could take that same at the work ethic that you put into the roof or the concrete which by the way i used to do concrete that's what the fuck I worked on it's before I work. fucking started my business. Lugging okay? those fucking panels into the hole and Bro, all that fuck shit. That. Fuck know. that shit. You, they all <laughs> I laugh did it at too. Me. Dude, these people all laugh at me now. Like, like Sal makes fun of me, bro. Everybody laughs at me because I won't do fucking labor anymore. I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do it. I won't. I will not pick up that fucking cooler and I will not move. I will not fucking do it because I've done so much of it in my life. Yeah. And I'm like, this is why I worked. I worked this hard so I didn't have to do that shit. Yeah. Now getting on the tractor and mowing at the farm, that's a different thing. But like, uh, you know, we have to be realistic that it takes solving a real problem plus working hard, mm -hmm. plus yeah. the ability to learn the new skill, which we covered a few minutes ago. And that creates the formula for someone and who can, don't forget yeah. the ability to manage stress and solve big problems. <sighs> what I don't think a lot of people think a lot of people miss as well is if you had a slice of the pie of the stress that is on my shoulders today, it would fucking kill you. Bear Bro, who's that sound like? No, Who fucking that, says that? What's that guy's name? Is that Ra Andy Kinsella? Randy, Randy Kinsella? Randy yeah, I think he said that before. Yeah. Like, dude, I get these motherfuckers that come at me and they're like, oh, dude, you know, must be nice. I'm like, bro, listen, dude. <laughs> I'm like, I'll Let fucking me kill you. It's not just that. Yeah. It's not Say just, it again. Say yeah, it again. It's not just that. It's like, it's like you're there's there, and a lot of people listening, they're gonna hear this and they're gonna think it's fucking cocky bullshit, but it's the truth. You people, if you if most people had to live a day in my fucking shoes, it would fucking bury them, bury them forever. And that's going back to what we were talking about about it's harder now than it was then when Eric Spofford was sleeping in the sober house with 11 guys and making sure they ate dinner and fucking weren't high on drugs and Andy Frisella was sleeping in the back of the store slinging products doing yeah. whatever you're doing then the problems we were solving aren't even problems to us today. No. And so over repetition day fucking day after day week after week month after month year over year the problems consistently got bigger. Yeah. And now they're so fucking complex. It's like 2008 Eric would have died under this pressure as for well. Sure. Like for I sure. you have to fucking earn it. It you have to get the fortitude of the repetitions and time under pressure in order to grow that skill set. And that's why you can't go from fucking there to here yeah overnight yeah. you have to fucking earn this shit because it's gradual to. it's acclimation bro it's, it's no different acclimation than, i love that yeah it's no different than getting in a cold swimming pool 
Like a lot of you motherfuckers like to record yourself doing cold plunges and shit. That's cool. We, we all, <laughs> yeah. Like we all get it. We all get it. I got a cold plunge in my house. That's I don't cool. fucking take video of it every day. Like we all fucking get it, bro. Okay. But here's the thing. You get in the cold, you get in the, now cold plunge is different, but like getting in a cold swimming pool, right? Yeah. You jump in, the fucking water's cold. You're like, holy shit. Dick Don't get up. in. Don't get yeah. in, man. It's fucking cold. Yeah. You, you stay in there for 10 minutes and you're like, it feels normal. This feels normal. Yeah. And yeah. that's how, that's how, and see, dude, that's how the stress acclimation works in entrepreneurship. You guys out here who are stressed the fuck out and you're like fucking, you know, you're doing $500,000 in sales or $200,000 in sales for your whole year, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're just getting it started. And bro, we've all been there. You've been there. I've been mm -hmm. there. The shit is, and it's scary as fuck. Scary as fuck. Dude, the thing is, is that like that, this shit that you're dealing with right now is preparing you for the bigger shit that you're going to have to carry later. And it's not that it gets less scary. It actually gets more scary, but it, you just become so used to it. And this is actually scientifically proven. A lot of people's stress levels are very high and because they've acclimated to it, they don't feel it, but they still has the physiological effect on their body. Yep. Right. That's so your heart issue. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. It's still, it's still caught. I have problems with stress, but I don't feel stressed. You see Same, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. I have, I have physiological problems where my doctor's like, "Hey, uh, Andy, uh, you might want to chill the fuck out." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but the problem is, is that it, I don't feel it. I don't fucking feel it. Yeah. You know. Now, are there day? There's days, dude, when I go home and I'm like, fucking, I am. I deal with stress, but I get mad. I get angry, and um, like I'll go home and, you know, I'll start fucking talking to Emily, and we'll, I'll be like, what the fuck, and then like, you know, I get. It's kind of like my release, you know, my venting. Um, but I don't feel it from day to day. Like, I don't walk around, like, you know, ready to fucking crumble. Now, there's times that that does happen. But uh, the, the, the point that you make, Eric, is so important because you, you literally, as an entrepreneur, cannot go. Like, I know all you guys want to go from your, your $500,000 or $200,000 year to $20 million, But you can't do that. If you did that, it would fucking kill you. Kill you. Okay? And... You, yep. And you don't have the yeah. skill set to support it. So as the stress comes on and starts piling on, piling on, piling on, you're developing new skill sets along that, along that route that then allow you to, to carry more weight and solve bigger problems. Yep. And so it is an actual process that has a time element that you cannot get around. You have to respect. You it. have to. It's time, time is a part of the fucking equation. No matter who you are, no matter what technology you use, you, like I see all these people now, they're like, fuck, dude, I went from zero to $10 million my first year. Well, we'll see what you do next year. And we'll see what we do the next yeah. year after that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. In because, my mind, can I'm you survive the test of time doing yeah. that? It, it's a totally different story. Yep. I have a, someone who has been in business for a decade versus someone who's been in business for two years. Even if the person who, in two years has made more money than the person in the decade. It's all the problems and the problem solving and in figuring it out over and over and over again to get from 500 grand to a million. Well, it's a hundred percent growth. Yeah. You're doubling revenue yeah. in that to get from one to five is 500%. The first time an employee sues you versus the 50th time an employee sues you. And like, it's just all the stuff that you have to go through. Yeah. But the first you time you get to. sued at all period, like, yeah. you're like, holy shit, dude. Fucking, I'm over. Like, I, like, I, you know, they're going to fucking take, like, and then, like, and then you get to a certain level and it's like every day, like it's a thing. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah, just like, it's okay, just constant it's part of the thing. It's part the weather of the process. I keep, yeah, having exactly. a, uh, I keep having a vision pop up. It's like those deep sea free divers, right? Like they dive fucking down. Those you guys can't, are, you can't just fucking swim straight up to the top immediately. Your fucking brain will blow out. Yeah. yeah. You, you got to you know go through the process the of the levels to access. Yeah. yeah. Again, but it's the word acclimate. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I've never heard anyone use that word before. Acclimate. You have to acclimate to each level. It, 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 I think it's true. It's fucking spot yeah. on. I think it's, it's true. Spot because on. like, dude, for me, like I could go back to like, let's just say 2010 level where I was. And like, I would like laugh at those problems. Right. That's now. what I'm saying. I'd be like, I can't believe I fucking wasted my time being but upset in, about that. If you were like you know? me in 2010, I was laying in bed at night, staring at the ceiling, me too. like Freak, fuck, freaking the fuck, fuck out. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? Yeah. Dude, for years. What am I going to do? You for know, years and years and years, every single night for years, dude, uh, Jason and I, 
Jason's my right hand guy. We would be on the phone till one, two o'clock in the morning every single night yeah. for years, four years, talking through problems, yeah. trying to figure out how to make this go. And, uh, you know, it, it freaked me the fuck out. But I mean, you know, I, and what's funny is, is like, it feels the same now because we're trying to go to this, this much bigger level, level, right? Yep. But at the same time, it doesn't feel the same way because I'm, at, I understand how it works so I can calm myself out of it. I'm like, oh, this is just the way it goes. Yep. You know, so it's, it's a, it's a unique perspective. And I think the, you know, this is why the get rich quick. Cause like, dude, the value of your journey of being a successful human being in business is not in the fucking paycheck. It's the journey. It really is. And yeah. I'm not saying that in some, you know, metaphorical sunshine and rainbows way. I'm saying every, like everything that's going to be truly valuable to you is going to be acquired through that suffering over the course of time. The skills, the emotional intelligence, the ability to acclimate to stress, the ability to handle bigger and bigger and bigger problems. Those things cannot be, you cannot jump from your mom's basement to billionaire penthouse status like the 21-year-old fucking entrepreneur guru will try to have you believe. Those people, and if they have that money that they say they have, they will fucking not have it for very long. Yeah. So, you know, the value, and that's so hard to like explain to someone because like I wouldn't have heard that when I was 20 years old. I wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, okay, well, I feel good about giving the next 20 years of my life. But the truth is I'm fucking 43 right now and I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just getting started. Same. Yeah. I feel like I'm like, like I'm just now getting started. And uh, it's just an interesting, it's interesting what time will do to your perspective. That's why really a big reason why I'm excited about the new MFCEO because uh, my perspective is different than it was during that time I did it last time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot bigger. It's a lot, a lot bigger, a lot higher level strategical thinking and, 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 uh, you know, for lack of a better term, philosophical type thinking on, on a, on a level, you know, that, that applies to execution over the long haul, yeah. you know, it's just different. And, uh, I don't know, man, it was hard as fuck to get here. <laughs> There's no fucking question. Guys, that was part one with Eric Spofford. When we come back, we got part two. Sleeping on the floor, now my jewelry box froze Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove, counted millions in the cold Bad bitch, booted swole, got her on bankroll Can't fold, dust a no, headshot, case closed, closed.